You're listening to Let's Talk About Fatherlessness with host Sean Tice, where we talk about leading fatherless families to the Heavenly Father. Hey, my name is Sean Tice. I'm excited to have you back on the Let's Talk About Fatherlessness show. I have a guest today named Aaron Holt. It's great to have you, Aaron. Hey, great to be here, Sean, and uh, great to reconnect with you, my friend. We've been uh, uh, hanging out for a while together, but it, but been doing all stuff in different parts of the country, right? So it's cool, cool to reconnect. We were just talking. You're in one of my favorite cities in America. You're in Pittsburgh, man. Pittsburgh. I, Let's go. Uh, my Let's son. Go. My son's actually been saying he's like, we need to go on a vacation to Pittsburgh. I'm like, who says that? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, apparently your son. But he uh, he, lo- he yeah, loved yeah. it. We went there. We went yeah. there years ago. Um, how old he was? But we went to that. What's that? Heinz Museum. The Heinz yeah. Museum. And you guys yeah. got the Carnegie Science Center. You guys. And this yeah. isn't a commercial for Pittsburgh, but I love Pittsburgh. I mean, um, that, best best ketchup in the world. So if that if that's your yeah, thing, then come on, come on by. <laughs> well, you got you got you got what's it, Acrosure Stadium now? You know. <laughs> oh well, we don't what's really Heinz call Field? it that. We're, we're, well, I know it's Heinz Field to us. We're 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 in full blown rebellion over here. <laughs> training camp and um, went to training camp last year, and they had a little pieces of like Heinz Field you could buy for real cheap. So like, oh, it was like gosh. one of the cup, cup holder clips. And we right. we all got one. It was like a buck or something. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to have yeah. a piece of Heinz Field. You know what I'm saying? And you the ketchup to. bottles. How dare they take the ketchup bottles down if, uh, by, the, by the scoreboard? I mean, it's. Uh, I they worked out some agreement because I someone gave me some tickets to the last game of the year okay. this past season, yeah. which which oddly for me is the very first time I've ever been in the stadium. Oh, wow. I've, I've okay. never been in the stadium before all these years. And so someone gave me and my son tickets and uh, he and I and a couple of his friends, we went to the game. Great game. Obviously, we were right there on the edge of making the playoffs. We just needed that Miami game to go the right direction. And it did not. But uh, but they do have Heinz stuff up in the stadium again now, even yeah. though it's Akershire State uh, Stadium, you know. So, yeah, I, don't I know. heard they were going to have some sponsorship, but they wanted like yeah. 10 million. So Heinz is like, forget it. But. Anyways, are you a Penguins guy? Just real quick. I mean, we're not here to talk about Pittsburgh, but are you a Penguins oh, guy? Oh, I'm, I'm like a fair weather Penguins fan, meaning when they make the playoffs, <laughs> I pay attention and I'll watch. And one of my nephews has uh, uh, has season tickets through his father-in-law. So I usually get to go to like one game a year. He'll take me yeah. for a game, you know, so that's kind of fun. That's awesome, <laughs> that's awesome but, man. Well, but don't don't ask about the Pirates. I don't want to talk about them. So. I, I know. I, I just still don't have an MLB team. Well, it's kind of like it's kind of like all these people that are in college basketball. And I grew up around Penn State and Penn State basketball is just it's not it's just not there. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I mean, at least you had a few of Pittsburgh, which is they're usually pretty decent. Well, they are this year because they got all that NIL money now. So they're doing good. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. But tell us, tell us more about your ministry before we jump into talking about fatherlessness. Yeah, my wife and I, uh, we direct a nonprofit ministry called Lead the Generation. And uh, we've been doing this full time since uh, 2017. Um, we started this uh, right as we were transitioning from about 20 years of being involved in local church ministry as student pastors. And, um, and you know, initially, I think the first couple of years, we were just kind of trying to find our way. I think that's pretty common for nonprofits, you know? And so we had a conference that we did. That's how you and I connected through one of our conferences and you were a part of several of them over the years. And, um, but over the last couple of years of the Lord's really refined and sharpened the vision that he has for us. And so, we resource and equip 
um, next generation leaders. So kids ministry leaders, uh, youth pastors, youth leaders um, from the volunteer in the small church who has a youth ministry or kids ministry with a handful of, you know, kids or students to the the full time vocational and everywhere in between, you know. And um, so we we resource and coach. Uh, and equip. And so we do that through our conference. We do that through year-long coaching experiences. We do that through several different podcasts that we have, um, different resource library that we make available to people. So all sorts of different ways and means that we use in order to uh, come alongside of next generation leaders and and uh, help them be as effective as they possibly can be. That's great. And I appreciate your ministry. I've been, you know, like I've been to a few of the, uh, I think I was at one in Massachusetts. I got to speak at yeah. one of the breakout sessions and then um, I think it was Valley Forge is the other one yep. I was at. So yeah. blessed, yeah, to, blessed to be part of it. Thanks for having yeah. having us be part of yeah. that to represent fatherlessness and God is my dad, Life Factors Ministries. But I want to talk yeah. to you about fatherlessness. I mean, you're in the youth ministry um, setting and you you deal with it. You see what you see working with youth workers and things like that. I want you to just, and this is a casual conversation, just talking about fatherlessness. What have yeah. you seen, different trends, things like that, that you want to share? Yeah, I think if I reflect back on, you know, um, seven or eight years ago when I was still serving as a full-time youth pastor at a local church setting, you know, it was during that time frame um, when my wife and I were in ministry that we began to see very clearly that on any given week when we were you know, with a group of students, whether it was in a small group context or whether it was in like our weekly youth service, um, you could have easily up to 50% of the kids that we were talking to that are, you know, have no father, you know, they're, they're, they're coming from a broken family situation or, um, or even if they had both parents, you could probably make the case that it was highly dysfunctional. And when you would compare the challenges that those young men and those young women were experiencing um, with the challenges that students that were um, blessed to be a part of a holistic and healthy family, it was a night and day difference, you know? And so we could very quickly and easily trace back different behavioral challenges or different obstacles to um, a student's spiritual growth um, that oftentimes just connected back to the family experience that they were having, the lack of a father in their life, what that was doing to them, the the additional uh, burdens that 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 meant that that young man or young woman were going to have to carry through life. And so we began to see it firsthand in student ministry. And it was during those years um, and our own kids were starting to come up into the youth ministry at that point. You know, those were during the years when our son, our, our oldest, and then um, we have we have a son and two daughters. And uh, but our son was in our youth ministry during those years. And then um, the older of our two daughters was coming up as well in her junior junior high years. And I mean, I just remember very clearly feeling that um, in a good sense, that weight as a youth pastor of um, I need to take on a mantle of becoming a spiritual father and my wife, a spiritual mother to so many of these young men and women that are in our youth ministry, um, in part because many of them didn't have a father. And so they needed a father figure in their life in that way. And then also was the the recognition um, realization that you know even in my life um, I'm I'm really grateful to have had a spiritual uh, a father not just a spiritual father but and I have an earthly father that you know incredible um, still they live five minutes from us we're you know still really close yeah. 
but I, I can re- reflect back as a young man on the, the great need that I had as a young man, even having a great father of, of have, of needing a spiritual father or fathers as well, you know? And so yeah. it was during that season in youth ministry, when God began to really connect a lot of the dots for me and help me really shift our, our philosophy and our focus in student ministry towards that mantle of we are we're spiritual fathers and we're spiritual mothers to these kids and um, there's a a far greater weight on what we're doing than just simply i'm a youth pastor or i'm a youth pastor's wife you know i'm a small group leader you know we even said that to our small group leaders oftentimes we'd say to them you're more than a small group leader you're you're really a spiritual mom or spiritual dad to the kids in your group and uh, so those are those were uh, big shifts for us in in youth ministry and we've always carried that with us ever since then that sense of of how do we minister to and meet the needs of a fatherless generation? Part of that being taking on that mantle of being a spiritual father, being a spiritual mother. Yeah, and you guys train youth workers and and children's workers and stuff like that. How do you? Uh, what are some things you've seen? Um, how to how to help them? I mean, because they're probably and I see, and I've you know, I've spoken in over two hundred churches, and I have you know, talked to pastors and stuff. And and how do you how do you go about helping them? How do you help the pastors how do they deal with single moms grandparents and grandkids what's your advice on that yeah i mean so i mean there's probably a lot of layers to that um and i think the context of one's ministry probably speaks to a lot of that as well just depending on you know where they're where they're at whether situated at ministry or what their setting is in their church and all of that um for us it looked like um with our small group leaders in particular we were very intentional about always casting vision for, you know, we want you to be more than a small group leader. We want you to take on that spiritual mantle of, you know, spiritual mom, spiritual dad. So that meant we talked about that a lot. We would train in that regard. We would um, break down practically. Okay. What does it look like? What does it mean to be spiritual dad, spiritual mom? What, you know, cause that, that is different. Right. And we would talk even with our younger leaders um, about, um, what does that mean for you? And, you know, you got some single young adults that are helping out in your youth ministry and they're like, I'm not even married, like, let alone having kids. Like, I have no idea what you mean, you know? And so we would talk about, you know, for them, maybe taking more on that role of being, you know, big brother, big sister, you know, in Christ. Um, we would point to a lot of biblical examples, you know? So where do we find spiritual fathering at, spiritual parenting at in the Bible? And so we'd point to examples like Paul and Timothy or Elijah and Elisha or, uh, Mordecai and Esther, you know, so you'd point to some of these different stories, just a proof text in a sense, like, hey, this is very biblical, this approach that we're taking. Um, and we would try to even break down practically, how, how do you how do you partner with them, um, like the single mom or or the single dad? How do you partner with them? How do you partner with the parents, the student who has both parents, you know, like, because we're not trying to replace, we're not trying to take the place of but you're trying to augment or be in addition to, and yes, in some cases you you are providing um, something that a student doesn't have and that they might not be able to get anywhere else other than through a healthy local church youth ministry. So um, not a lot of practical, easy steps in there, but I think it's you're asking a very nuanced question, and which um, is a great question, but um, it's it was it was a lot of work for us to really try to help our leaders take on, you know, that mantle. And so there was a lot of um, interesting conversations we'd have and training sessions where we're trying to come along our leaders and help them carry that, that mantle. 
I think that's a great way to go about it. Um, you know, and I, my youth pastor came, so I, my pap died. My, my dad walked away when I was a baby. My pap was my dad then for, from 10 months old up till I was right before my sixth grade year. And then he died um, right at the beginning of when I was turned, in sixth grade, right before I turned 12. And so I was a mess for that first, for that year, you know, year and a half. And then I had a youth pastor come to our church. Um, I think it was December or something like that. And I remember it. That's how, that's how significant it was for me that this youth pastor came to our church December of my seventh grade year. And that changed my life, you know, cause he was intentional. Like you were saying there, you were, he was intentional about, um, helping me, helping my sister and I, he, they had just adopted five kids, um, from wow. the, from the state of Tennessee out of like an abuse situation. And they moved to Pennsylvania, became a youth pastor. And it was a, just a hip, the fact that they would take time to spend time with us and it was, you know, say always a safe environment and stuff like that. But we just like went on, we would go on like little trips with them over the weekend. They had an, like an RV, like all this stuff. And it was, it was awesome. Um, now make it safe if you're doing that with, with kids, but it was, uh, for me, it was such a help because I was in a position where my pap died. I didn't have a guide and I needed those people. And so I appreciate yeah. what you said, because you, you're saying that you just be more than just a small group leader. You know, being be involved in their life. I was just talking to a kid that I was mentoring in Vegas uh, that just moved to Ohio and like, this past week, and he said that he, he grew, he's grown up fatherless. Um, he actually was uh, adopted, and then his adopted parents passed away, and so he's being raised by mm. his sister now. But he has a youth pastor who takes him out every other week, and so there's there's I mean there's so many different ways that you can. Right. Uh, be involved in their life. And so that's why I, I think it's great what you said, just being more, being more around them and to, to, to help them. Yeah. And I think, you know, good old fashioned youth ministry has always been based around, yep. you know, building relationships with students. And so if you have anything philosophically that, that resembles that approach towards student ministry or even towards kids ministry, then you're probably more of a spiritual father or spiritual mother than what you realize, you know? Um, and, but along with that, I, I also wanted to emphasize to my leaders, like I, I wanted them to lean into that. I didn't want them to avoid that. You know, I wanted them to lean into it and say, this is a role that um, this young man or this young woman needs in their life. And I'm honored to, to give that to them in whatever way or whatever capacity that I can. Yeah. That's great. Now you work with youth workers and you, you know, it's like I've been to your lead the generation at Valley Forge and you know, there's a lot of young kids coming up and they're, they're becoming leaders. Do you see anything with them growing up fatherless themselves? And then now they're becoming uh, youth workers. Do you see any, any struggles with that where they're, they're bringing any baggage into youth ministry? Just, I mean, that's a weird, random question, but I just wondering. Yeah, I, I do. I coach a lot of youth pastors right now. Um, and I, I think all of us, you know, um, myself included, and again, I, you know, I would reflect on my, on my years living with my parents and whatnot as really good years, but all of us carry a father wound and a mother wound to some degree, mm. you know, I mean, it's just impossible for us to make it throughout life without the bumps and bruises and scars that come with this sinful world that we live in. Right. And, and you're raised by parents that have a sin nature and you see them at their best and you see them at their worst, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. and if you're the, if you're the oldest in your family, then, uh, you probably got 
maybe one of the worst versions of your parent because they you know they're brand new they're <laughs> you're the they're experimenting on you uh and if you're the baby of the family like i was then maybe you got a better version of them you know they're a little more refined at that point but you still you know you still carry things that your parents carried and passed on to you um and it, when you bring that into adulthood and you bring that into marriage and you bring that into ministry there there are moments in life where we do have to have a bit of a reckoning with hey here's some of the baggage that i brought in um because of the family that I grew up in. Um, again, you, even if you look back and say, man, my family was great. My family was great, but no family's perfect. And so you're going to carry with you the the good and you're also going to carry with you the bad. You're going to carry with you the healthy, also the unhealthy. So learning how to identify some of those things uh, early on in adulthood and um, seek to maybe rectify some of those things or have some of those things be healed, I think is huge. Um, especially if you look back at your childhood and you you did experience fatherlessness in your childhood right there's a there's a father wound there or the the lack of a father wound that's that's there and at some point that is going to manifest itself it's going to show itself in the way you handle marriage or the way you handle parenting or the way you handle ministry or as a youth pastor or kids pastor the way that you relate to kids you know and um so I think those are moments that we all have to learn to work through. I I do uh, have that conversation quite often with youth pastors that um, you know will be in the middle of coaching through a situation or how they handled this moment or that moment or how they handled an angry parent or you know whatever it is, and uh, you realize that they're handling some of that things, some of those things from a place of like I haven't really resolved some of these wounds, you know, from my childhood, um, and so that that takes work. You know, and it's uh, not easy, but it definitely it takes work. Uh, so I, I see that quite a bit, and I'm I'm I think I'm I am often a voice for, again, philosophically approach next gen ministry, approach youth ministry, approach kids ministry, with a mindset of spiritual parenting, right? Yeah. Um, part of that's my own experience. Um, part of that's my own upbringing, the value that spiritual fathers and mentors had on my life. My wife would, would, would echo the same thing, you know, in her upbringing. Um, part of that is also having been in youth ministry long enough now that I'm coaching some of the younger men and women that are coming up, you know, into leadership. I, I'm recognizing like, Hey, the best, the, the most valuable thing you have to offer as a leader uh, in youth ministry in, in particular, it's 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 not your age, it's not how young you are, it's not how cool you are, it's not how relevant you are, it's not your gifting, it's not your ability to whatever, your skill set, your ability to speak or preach or play an instrument or put together great graphics or be an event planner or whatever. All those things are cool. God wants to use all that stuff that he's given you, all those gifts. But who you are as a person, that's the greatest gift that you have to offer to the next generation and if you're still stuck in a place of wounding because of fatherlessness in your own life, or if you're stuck in a place of emotional immaturity because you haven't worked through some of the baggage that you that you brought into adulthood from your family situation, um, then you will be capped. You'll be there'll be a ceiling or there'll be a lid on how much you can really offer um, yeah. until you work through some of those things. Um, and so that's one of the things that has scares me about the trends that are happening in the youth ministry world right now, because the, 
there's some pretty dangerous trends that are taking place in the American church. You know, one of them being that um, very few young leaders want to even go into youth ministry anymore. And so there's a bit of a crisis in our country right now of lead pastors not even being able to find a youth pastor, even if they have a budget to hire one. Um, and then there's also the trend of, well, when we do hire, we want to hire someone really young because the assumption is that it takes a young adult in order to connect with a student. And I, I now look at that completely opposite. I say, well, it also takes an older adult who can fulfill the role of a spiritual father. And that yeah. actually, I would make the case, will produce the opportunity for more spiritual growth in a student than what maybe a younger or less experienced young adult um, can bring. That's so true. My my wife's uncle was a senior pastor. Uh, he, he used to be a youth pastor and a youth director or something like that. And he was a senior pastor for a long time in Indiana. And then he went down to Florida, became a family pastor over the youth ministries and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then the, this recently, he actually took on the role as the youth pastor as well. And the reason why he accepted it, because they, they were looking for a youth pastor. He was trying to hire somebody. And the reason why he accepted it is he said these, uh, these kids were asking him, will you just be a youth pastor? You know, where you just yeah. be in these like middle yeah. school kids, and yeah. he's he's he just had his first uh, his daughter just had her his first grandchild, and yeah. so he's like, you know, he's he's like in his fifties or something like that. But these kids are yeah. craving that fatherly influence. That's what they I want. think that's yeah, that's a it great. Really, that's it a really great is Gen yeah. Z kids, and I think Gen Alpha will com- will com- um, continue this same trend. But they want meaningful relationship with mature adults. They want meaningful relationships with adults that can model for them what successful and healthy adulthood looks like, yeah. you know, and you have, you have a trend in America right now where culture, you know, this is not the message of the Bible, but the message of culture, American culture is is telling our young people to stay young as long as they possibly can. Um, almost implying once you be actually become a real adult, once you go through adulting, as they would like to call it, life's going to get really boring for you, <laughs> you know, and and so so you have a generation of kids who don't want to grow up. Um, you have um, from uh, you know American culture right now. I think the average we're getting close to the average age that a young adult is married is close to thirty years old now. And so you we've extended adolescence from like twelve, thirteen, all the way to thirty now. In a sense, is what we've done, and we've basically told young people stay young as long as you can because anything outside of this window. It's just going to be terrible for you. And then a lot of young people, when they're in that phase, they because they don't have a lot of positive adult role models in their life, this is what it looks like to be an adult. Have a job, own a home, get married, have a family, have a career. Because that's never been modeled for them. Like the idea of family is a bad word for many of them because they didn't, they didn't grow up in, you know, the idea of a father is a bad word. It just invokes all sorts of negative, painful memories. If that is the starting place for a young person because of their life experiences and they're not introduced to a spiritual father or spiritual mother, then what role model do they have in life that makes them say, I can't wait one day to grow up, be an adult, get married, have a family. Yeah. Right. I, I, I don't have a desire to do any of that stuff. If, if, if I'm that young person, because everything that I've experienced from adults thus far has actually brought a lot of disappointment and pain in my life. You know, right. So we again, I think it's one of the reasons we have we have to wrestle with this in a church context, but we, we also have to wrestle with this in like in a cultural context, too. It's one of the reasons why you have young people that don't want to grow up and take on adult responsibility right now, 
because their entire life adults have failed them and have mm. hurt them and have let them down. And so the idea of growing up and being an adult is petrifying to them. Why would I ever want that? It's never been modeled for me. On the flip side, though, when you and I take on role of spiritual mom, spiritual dad, so let's I'll put it in the context that I'm most familiar with, you know, serving in a youth ministry, whether you do that as a volunteer or whether you do that vocationally, when you take on that mantle of spiritual mom and dad, and you begin to show kids what it looks like to be a mature Christian adult, what it looks like to have a healthy, godly marriage, what what a healthy, godly family can look like. Now you are creating the opportunity for a young person to look at your life, not your gifts, not the quality of your youth ministry or kids ministry program, but your life and say, when I grow up, that's what I want to be like. I aspire, you know, to that now. And uh, the longer, you know, Julie and I were had the opportunity to be youth pastors at the same church for uh, over 15 years. And during that tenure, especially during the, la- the latter half of that tenure, I lost count of how many times kids would send me a Father's Day card and say, thanks for being the only real dad I've ever had, or how many times we'd have kids over. We we used to have um, our high schoolers over to our house the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving and do like a late night Thanksgiving meal just for fun, hang out or whatever. And I lost count of how many times kids when they were leaving my house that night would say, you know, thanks for thanks for showing us how to celebrate Thanksgiving and I'm and I would say something like, "Well, you'll be with your family tomorrow," and they'll be like, "No, we don't do anything. I'll be hiding in my room all day." When you know, and that when, but when one day when I have a family, I, I I want it to be like yours, you know. So, like those statements, man. They, I mean, they're affirming on one hand, but on the other hand, they really shaped my view of of how I was supposed to approach being involved in a young person's life. And I realized it was a lot, it was a whole, about a whole lot more than being able to put together a cool program, take cool trips and you know being be the cool guy and you know preach the sermons or whatnot it was it was about the life i was living that was inspiring them that their future can be much greater than what their past has been yeah wow you're talking you're like making me want to be a youth pastor again (laughs) (laughs) let's go sign up sean come on (laughs) (laughs) i I love that part of it just working with kids man just trying to just being in their life you know that was by that was probably my favorite part, just being around them and just trying to influence them. And now you're talking about I'm like, man, I I get back into it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, Lord well, willing, I would. Know, I would if it was God's will, but I get. Yeah, but I mean, you're doing it in the lane that God's giving you to run in right now. I mean, you're you're you have an incredible ministry that is focusing on the issue of fatherlessness and the message that you're bringing to churches when you travel and speak the programs and resources that you're offering, the churches, the training that you're offering, you know, really, I don't know what verbiage you always use, but as I view it from an outsider looking in, I look at that and I say, man, Sean, Sean, you're called to go raise up the next generation of spiritual fathers and mothers in our churches who can do that, you know, and they don't, you don't have to be paid. You don't have to be on staff. You don't have to have a title of youth pastor. You know, you don't even have to feel called to that. Uh, you just, you know, to like, I, I'm, I'm called to, you know, be like a youth pastor or a kids pastor. You just have to feel the weight of, I want to, as an adult, I want to be a spiritual role model for the next generation. And yeah, sure. sometimes as an adult, you do that because you had that in your life and you know how important it was for you and your development as a young man or young woman. And so you want to give back. 
because it was given to you. And that's a lot of my motivation was like, man, I had a lot of spiritual thought. And still to this day, I'm the product of a lot of wonderful spiritual fathers and mothers in my life, my wife as well. So sometimes that's your motivation. Sometimes your motivation is I want to be for someone else what I never had when I was a teenager. And so I, I know that side of it. I know how, how hard that was for me as a young, a young girl or a young boy, not having a father or a mother or a healthy family and, uh, and all the challenges that that presented me, you know, in life. I mean, some of us as adults, we've spent half of our adulthood trying to get over the wounds and the pain of, of the family that we were raised in. Yeah. Right. So some of us are motivated from that perspective, which I think is equally valuable to say, I'm going to fill in the gap because there was no one there for me. Exactly. That's so true. I One of my best youth leaders was a, a guy in his 70s. Um, him and his wife came, became part of our, one of the volunteers in our, with our youth group. And they they were great because he was like grandpa in the youth group. And yeah. Yeah, I've had people, I had one guy tell me, he's like, I did my time. I served in church. I helped, you know, I was talking to him about volunteering about something. This guy, he he jumped in, man. He's like, I want to be involved. His wife was a former middle school student or middle school teacher, not student, teacher. And so she kind of kept the structure and kept the discipline and helped with that. He was like the grandpa buying him candy and stuff. And so it was just a great, it was a great balance of youth leaders because they were there just to, yeah. and they were willing to be part of it. So I love what you said there because it's just, we need people to raise up and just be involved with the youth around them. My experience with Gen Z kids has been the older you are as an adult, the more affinity they have towards you. That's great. Either because they're, you know, they're not easily impressed anymore because they, because, you know, they, we all got phones and internet and YouTube and all that kind of stuff. So you can, you can literally be the coolest young adult in the whole area, but that doesn't really easily impress Gen Z kids any longer because they got that on their phone. They can get that anytime they want. When you are an older adult, like I'm a grandparent now myself. My son has a little baby girl. They have another, we have number two on the way, Easter Sunday, little grandson coming. Congratulations. Right. But, That's great. Thank you. Um, but uh, my experience with Gen Z kids, man, man, the older and more mature and established you are, the more affinity they have towards you because yeah. that's what they long for. They want that in their lives. That's true. Well, we have to wrap up. Uh, we have less than a minute left. Uh, but I just wanted to give you an opportunity to be able to tell us where to find you, what website, social media, where can they find you? Yeah. You can find our ministry at leadthegeneration.com. And you can find me uh, at Aaron Holt, E-R-A-N-H-O-L-T. Uh, you'll find me there with all the social media feeds. And that's also my email address, Holt at gmail.com, E-R-A-N-H-O-L-T. I was a PK, pastor's kid. So you can thank my dad for finding my spelling in a genealogy somewhere in the book of numbers. So. that's great well thank you so much Aaron thanks for being on with us today to learn more about how you can get involved in fatherless family ministry visit lifefactors.org where you can find some free resources you can find our books that we have you can find some even the program that we have to help you start a single mom ministry within your ministry or within your church we can all work together to lead fatherless families to the heavenly father